my wife Azalea is with me, um, and without her, I'm nothing. Um, so let that be a lesson to the young man. Anton Hussen said, Pas getrouwd, goeie medicijne. So, um, uh, it's just awesome to be here. And um, during this time in preparation, uh, I had an injury on my throat. Um, my vocal cords, I injured it while snoring. <laughs> Seriously, I snored so hard. <laughs> I damaged my throat on Saturday. <laughs> but I believe that <clears throat> God has given me such a message that no matter what, that he wanted me to be here today to share that message with you. So before I get into that, it has been an amazing um, year for us. Um, everything happened quickly. Uh, in 2012, God moved me within three weeks from Strand to Worcester. On the first, on the first, uh, I was asked, "Will you go to Worcester?" By the between the twenty-first and the twenty-fifth, we were living in Worcester, <laughs> right? And I thought that was quick. So my first sermon then was, "God suddenly is not that suddenly after all," because ten years before that, I actually did an outreach on a farm. Um, in the Durings, and when I got to this church to lead it, the elders and the people in the church were from that farm that that I did outreach at. So God's in control in every way. And then I thought things couldn't happen faster than that. So for eight years I led Worcester City Church, and it was an amazing time. But it was it was tough in a sense as well because because we were really alone. Uh, kind of a lone ranger, um, and and it was it was hard. The burden was heavy. Um, it's somebody somebody once asked me, so what do you do the rest of the week after you preach your half an hour? <laughs> it's not that. It's <laughs> believe me, it's not just thirty minutes. And it's it's the other time, the other six days of the week, that got to me. And. Um, Interestingly enough, uh, Leonard came to speak to me on a Monday in October. And we were having a chat and he said to me, Andrew Sully invited you to come and just look in at the conference. I said, when's the conference? He said, tomorrow. <laughs> so I came to the conference here. And uh, a week later, we had a meeting, myself and Andrew. And there we decided this is it. It's got to happen. And uh, a week later, we were just Jen. <laughs> so God, God can work faster than three weeks. But I need to say this, that for me, it was a release. People would think, people ask me, what was it like to give up your church? And that question in itself is the wrong question because it was never my church. But I, was, I just had the privilege of shepherding the people. But it's God's people. And actually there was a release that came through and I could step into um, what God had for me. Now, you're not going to see much of that today because um, I'm a, I like to teach. I like to teach the word of God, but God has given me a different kind of word for today. So you'll have to take my word for it that, that, that I love to teach. But the moment we 
we, we said yes. On the, and I need to give you this information so you can see how quick it went. Um, on the th Tuesday evening, I had a meeting with Will and Andrew, and we decided this is it. We're going to do it. And um, Friday morning, that same Friday mo same week, I get a phone call, and it's, it's a Andrew. And he says to me, I just want to check if we're on the same page. And I didn't even know we had a book. It's like, okay, so, so, so we need to be on the same page, but what? And he said to me, I just feel God says you need to step down from leadership and over the church. I said, and then? He said, I don't know yet. And I had three seconds to make up my mind about my future. And all I said to him was, you, God said to you, he said, yes. I said, then I'm with it. And right there we decided, I'm handing over the church. That's it. And it's that faith in God that has opened a door for me that I think I never would have opened myself. Because we handed over the church, went on three months sabbatical, not knowing where or what, um, just taking a break. And when we came back, Andrew said to me, now I want you to go around to every Josh Jen and just preach. And that's that's my makeup. That's what God has called me to do. I've been preaching since the age of 13. And I, I love preaching. And and now all we do, um, I call it the Chris and Penny uh, ministry. For those of you who remember, when when, when the, the Volkswagen Jetta came out, there was this ad of Chris and Penny that would visit weddings and of far distant relatives just so they could drive their Volkswagen Jetta everywhere. So... This is the Chris and Penny ministry. We go every Sunday. We're in a different church and just preaching. And it's amazing. It's been amazing. And God has brought us through into something that I could never manufacture. The moment I let go of what I hold, held dearly, God just took that. It's almost like when you take a plant out of a, a, a pot and put it in a bigger pot. That plant then has the potential to grow bigger and bear better fruit. So if you're in that situation, tell you, allow God to replant you. To just take you out of the old smaller pot. And he might not even put you in another pot. He might put you in a garden. Then you can grow as tall as this. But in a pot, you will never grow that big. Because the pot determines the size of your roots. So allow God to, to stretch you. He's an amazing God. We've never been at a better place than what we had right now. Enjoying every minute of of what God is doing in us and through us. So I encourage you, just, just be open for what God wants to do in your life. He might replant you, or he might just plant you in another garden somewhere else. But be open for that. Amen. Great. So we're going to go to Mark. Mark chapter 5. So as I discovered that my throat, that I damaged my throat, and it... I mean, like I said, it's because I snored. So I had a good sleep. <laughs> Let me just tie this up. See, I come prepared. <clears throat> I asked God, now why, with such an important message, would I have trouble with my throat? And God reminded of the story. Reminded me of the story of Little Red Riding Hood. And she walked into the room and she said to the wolf, why are eyes so big? And he said, to see you better. 
And Little Red Riding Hood said to him, so why are your ears so big? And he said, to hear you better. And I just felt God, when God answered me when I said, so why is my throat sore? He said, so you can shut up and I can do my work. <laughs> so I'm just going to speak a little bit and then God's going to do his work. I'm just here to deliver the message. So we're going to read Mark 5, verse 1. And I, I'm glad to say that in the new ESV, in the new translations, they speak of Jesus heals a man with a demon. In the older translations, they speak about the madman of Gadara. Same guy, just no label. And that's what I want to address today, is the fact that we've labeled people. And people live under labels. And as you sit here, somebody might have labeled you. You know the game we play at school, we put a label on the guy's back. Everybody laughs at you. They think they're friendly. But there's something stupid written at the back and they, they're actually being nasty. And in the same sense, people have labeled other people. And when they walk past, there goes so-and-so or Jenny the divorcee. It's a label. In the Bible, you find people speak about Rahab the harlot. It's a label. They speak about Simon the leper. You see, by the time Simon got that name, he didn't have leprosy anymore. But they kept on speaking of him, Simon the leper. When Rahab did such amazing thing, and she helped God's people in victory, you know what? She, God called her, God saved her life, but she was still Rahab the harlot. And, and my, what hurts inside is, is that people label people and they speak that over them and then we wonder why they cannot break free. And today I believe God wants to, to remove the label. Now if it's a Nike or Kadushi, or I can keep the label. Okay? It so said they, they, they came to the other side of the sea to the country of the, of the Gadarenes. And when Jesus stepped out of the boat, immediately they met him a man out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he reached, he reached the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. And I just want to say at this point, people might not have known People might not be aware. But I'm sure amongst us is somebody that feels exactly like that. That you feel that you've been shackled. You feel that you've been bound. In this case, people could see it. But in your case, people are not aware how you're battling to break free. I have faith today that God's going to loosen those shackles and that you will break free today. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, 
for we are many. So I'll catch up with the rest of the verses. I just want to don't want to spend too much time just going through the whole story. You know most of the story. But I want to address this issue of this man who came running to Jesus and he's been labeled by the whole city. Nobody wanted to come close to him. He was that guy. But I want to make it clear from the start. Sometimes it's not the city that labels you. Sometimes you label yourself. Sometimes you put the sticker, you, you yourself put the sticker on your chest saying, I'm so-and-so and I'm hurting. I'm so-and-so, don't get close to me. So it's not always society that labels you. Sometimes you yourself has labeled you, but then you're upset with society because they don't want to get close to you. You need to look down and see what's written on the label that you put there. And God wants to remove that today. But as we, as we sang earlier, we were busy worshiping. I think it's yeah, when you said you came closer into worship. I truly believe if you look at how he ran to Jesus and what Jesus did to him, I believe that when the Holy Spirit draws you, when the Holy Spirit draws you to a deep place of intimacy, there's grace for healing. And I believe we are at that place this morning where God is drawing and there's grace for healing. And I want you to believe today, if that's you, if the Holy Spirit is starting to stir something up in you, believe that today God is going to set you free. You might have been carrying the label of a failed businessman. Maybe your business closed down in, in lockdown. And that's been a label that you battled with. You're in good company. Five of my businesses closed down in 2008. And God took that label off me. It's, it's not failure. It's what happens in life. And sometimes God, in my case, God did that. Because he called me and he wanted my attention. And I said to him, Lord, just wait a little bit. There's one or two deals I need to finish and I'll, I'll give you some of it. And then I just kept on the next deal and the next deal and the next deal. And it's not always failure when our business is closed down. I don't know who I'm talking to, but, but God, this is not my notes. This is just God saying. It's not failure. It's just him getting your attention. Because he wanted your attention all along and you were just too busy. And you were not paying attention. Maybe, maybe the label says divorcee. Maybe the label says retrenched. Maybe the label says bankrupt. Maybe the label says my marriage is in trouble. Uh, it's not you guys. I know you guys are still okay. Maybe the label says my marriage is in trouble. And God wants to deal with that today. Because God takes an interest in marriages. God takes marriage seriously. In the meantime, I want to tell you, just leave this with you. A babysitter is cheaper than a divorce lawyer. Get yourself a babysitter frequently and spend time with your wife. People don't make time for that. And they wear this label, we're battling in our marriage. It's because we're not working on our marriage. 
That was for free. Don't pay, pay for that. Now we can get onto the message. Maybe your label says too far gone. Can't be brought back. We're never too far gone. If you look at this guy, society has written him off. He lived among the tombs. And I want to venture out to say that he might have gotten worse. He wasn't that bad until he started living amongst the tombs. And that's a physical thing. But I want to come back to our, our mind. Maybe something happened to you. Maybe, maybe something was done to you. Maybe you had a bad experience. And then you, you withdraw. And you feel, in, because you feel insecure, don't feel loved. And you withdraw, and the safest place is amongst the tombs. Maybe for a day. But when you start living amongst the tombs, when those graveyard pictures are the only stuff that you see in your mind over and over, you're actually going to get worse. The bondage will get stronger. Some of us here, as we sit here, we live among the tombs in our mind where we've got this picture. We've got our own Netflix channel running in our head. Whatever that abuse was, whatever that hurt was, is playing off behind the eyelids over and over and over and nobody is seeing it and you're crying out for help. You're screaming out for help and they're just saying, ah, they're madmen. This guy was screaming out for help. He was cutting himself. He was crying. Maybe you are there. And I want to say this and I do realize that not every hurt shows on the outside. Sometimes we are cutting ourselves and we are crying on the inside and nobody knows but God says today is the day that he's going to deal with that if you allow him in. If you run to him and fall at his feet and worship, he will deal with that Netflix movie that's running in your head and you can't get over what was done to you. We need to take this in, into consideration. We really need to think about this this morning. That when we suffer trauma, when we suffer abuse, when we suffer injustice, sometimes it's caused by sin that we have committed, that we take strain, that we are labeled. Other times, it's sin that other people have committed towards us that cause us to suffer. Sometimes it's not sin at all. If I think about um, just uh, the previous chapter where Jesus goes into the house of, of Peter and his mother-in-law is sick. And, and from if you read up about it, but the, the idea is that she might have had malaria. Now, that's not caused by sin. That's caused by a mosquito, right? And, and, and I said here last time, I think when I was here, is that our problem is that we treat sin the same way we treat the big five in this country. Um, people come from overseas to see the big five. But you know, more people die of mosquito bites than of the big five bites. Very seldom you hear somebody killed by a lion. But people die of mosquito bites. And there might have been a mosquito bite in your life. Something small that started small. But it's grown, it's festered. And it's become something very ugly. 
It's busy destroying you on the inside so that you take your refuge to the, to, to the graveyard and you can sit there and you sulk there and you think nobody can help you. God can help you. God can change you around. God can set you free. The great thing is God wants to set you free. He wants to set you free. You see, God wants to deal with your headspace this morning. Verse 3 says, He lived among the tombs. And you might be physically living at a very nice address, but in your mind, you're living among the tombs. God's dealing with headspace this morning. What are you thinking about? You've seen that clip? The guy said, send out the, 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 the um, SOS sign, help, we, we, we're sinking, we're sinking. And the German shepherd replied, what are you thinking about? <laughs> but the question is, what are you thinking about? Because that could be sinking you. God wants to break into your headspace this morning. Because he, he needs to heal you. Some of us has got, this man was like a raging he, he was in anger and he was running around like really like a man-man. And some of us don't show that on the outside, but we're raging on the inside. We are angry at life. We're angry at God. We're angry at circumstances. We, we feel this could have been different. That, could have, that should have been. The answer is run to Jesus. Fall at his feet and worship him. And a few verses later, you'll see, and this guy was sitting before Jesus. And nobody knew he was left-handed, but now you know he was left-handed because he was in his right mind. So this left-handed guy was sitting in front of Jesus, and he's, nobody could believe it's him. Why? Because Jesus restored him. He took the baggage away. And today, God wants to take that baggage away. You know why you're battling to move forward? You know why you're battling to get your hands in the air to worship? Because the baggage of the past is holding you back. God wants to do something very special in your life. The answer is just run to Him in worship. There's a scripture in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5. Can we have it up there please? I'd like to read it. I don't misquote it. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. The biggest problem when it comes to, to, to inner, um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Turmoil. When you're experiencing inner turmoil, the problem normally is undisciplined thought lives. God is calling us this morning to take charge of what we are thinking about. Because His thoughts to us is more than the sands of the sea. His thoughts to us is, is too wonderful for words. And somehow we get it right not to think about ourselves the way that God thinks about us. If we could just for one moment see how God sees us and what He thinks about us. We will think differently of ourselves. 
You don't have to be in the gutter. The picture what I, that I'm getting while I'm talking is, you know, you know when a dog has been playing in, in muddy water and he comes out, he looks all shabby, and especially if it's like a dog with long, long white hair, and he stands there and he starts shaking. I can't shake my body like that, so I'm not going to try. <laughs> I don't need to if you to shake, so, so I'll just leave it to your imagination. Okay. So, but he stands and he just shakes his body until all that stuff just flies off. I believe that's you this morning. Walking out and just shaking off all the rubbish of the past. God wants to set you free, man. You don't have to carry that burden. You don't have to carry that label. God is about to set you free. Hallelujah. He's crying and cutting and mutilating himself. We often respond. We often respond to people who's involved in self-mutilation. And we're worried because they're cutting themselves on the outside. I tell you, there are far more people cutting themselves on the inside. And they're screaming in silence. But God heard you. God heard that silent scream. And today he's responding to that. He's saying to you, come my child. Jesus is getting out of the boat. Jesus went across that water through the night for that one guy who other people put a label on. And this whole meeting, this whole moment was choreographed by God for you to be set free, to be healed from your past. God wants to heal you from the courtroom in your head. I promise you, I know what I'm talking about. I, I went through difficult times in my life myself. When you have the courtroom in your head, you never get to an objective answer. You get to answer, and you think you're right, but it's not an objective answer. It's something that makes sense to you. And that, that answer that you get to is going to affect your emotions, going to affect your actions it's going to affect your relationship with god and i can tell you now you can't trust trust that answer because you're thinking among the tombs you haven't got a clear view you haven't got a clear vision you need to get to a place where god can deal with your headspace so god asking what's your name what's your name but God wasn't talking to the man. God was talking to the devil himself, the demons. And they, the demon tried to impress Jesus. He says, Legion, we are many. That sounds like the gangsters in the township where I grew up. Okay, we are many. But even in the, in the multitude, they had to flee. They, had to, they were subdued by one line from Jesus. Go. And today, maybe you were overawed by what the devil is, the way the devil is attacking you. Maybe you're saying, oh, but it's many. Jesus says, get out of there. Get out of there. Jesus has got control over the storm on the sea. Jesus has got control over demonic forces. There's nothing that's not under the control of Jesus. 
this trouble-minded guy, like I said, after Jesus dealt with him, he was sitting in his right mind at the feet of Jesus. So I'm just going to quickly mention a few other similar things that if we have the time, and if you have the time, you can actually read chapter 5 and 6 and the corresponding chapters in, in, in uh, Matthew. You'll read through there and you'll find what I'm talking about. So this guy was in a, a dead-end street, a cul-de-sac in life, a mental cul-de-sac. And God brought him out of there. And you might think today that you are not in a mental cul-de-sac. Maybe there's nothing wrong up here. But you might have a surprise. I mean, I, I had a brain scan uh, a few years ago and um, came out and the doctor said, Mr. Rule, we saw nothing. And I'm like, is that good news or bad news? You see, you can't trust your own mind. The Holy Spirit speaks, speaks here because our head messes around with us. Holy Spirit speaks to our heart. And today God wants to speak to your heart and he wants to get you out of that cul-de-sac that you are in. So I'm going to mention a few. Like I said, number one was the cul-de-sac, the mental cul-de-sac. If you go and read in, in, in Matthew 9, as part of this, the flow, you'll find a physical cul-de-sac where a guy was on a stretcher and his friends brought him to Jesus. So maybe, maybe you're ill. Maybe you're in that cul-de-sac where you think you can't get, maybe you had some bad news this last while and you feel, oh, why me? God, our God, is a God that still heals. Our God has not lost his power. God heals. But we need to come to him. We need to submit ourselves to him and allow him to speak over us. Allow him to touch us. You don't have to be stuck in the cul-de-sac on a stretcher, you're confined where you cannot move. Maybe you've got a family member who was, was sick today and they cannot move. I, I want to I stir up your faith and say, go out there and pray for them. Go out there and lay hands on them. Call the elders in and pray for them because our God heals. It's his prerogative when and where. But our God heals. Some people might find, and you might be here, we find yourself in a social cul-de-sac. Because when Jesus left, when after he healed the man that was paralyzed, he was walking to, he, making his way to Jairus' daughter, he passed Matthew. And this all happened in a couple of hours. Eh? Past Matthew. Now Matthew was the most awkward guy in his own skin. And that might be you. Matthew was so awkward in his own skin because he was a Jew. But he was taking money from the Jews. Now, now, now you can imagine the tension there. So Matthew, Matthew sits in his tax booth and Jesus walks past him. And Jesus sees that he's in a social cul-de-sac. He's not going to join the rest of the crowd just by himself. And Jesus stops. And he calls him. There are people amongst us that you might look the part. You might, you might worship together and you might enjoy being here. But the moment this meeting is finished, you're off. You're gone because you, you battle to relate to others. You're not sure if they will accept you. 
Listen, listen. None of us here were acceptable before Jesus accepted us. We were not accepted on our merit. We accepted because Jesus loves us and Jesus called us. So we're not more special than you. We're not more privileged than you. Some people might feel, but I don't fit in. I'm not, uh, whatever your excuse is, not learned enough. I mean, this is a bunch of clever people here. I mean, I can just see it. Some of you have more degrees than a thermometer, but that doesn't make you more precious in God's sight. Point is, we don't even know it. There are people that sit here Sunday after Sunday. And when we say amen, they're gone because they're in a social cul-de-sac. We need fellowship, people. You won't, you won't know. I mean, that's what happened to me when we became part of Josh Jen, the bigger body. It's the fellowship of the saints that draws us into what God has for us. Let me just mention the other few. We look at this news that comes to, where Jairus comes to Jesus, and it's all still in the same passage. He says, Jesus, my daughter is busy dying. It's hopelessness and grief. For some, that's a cul-de-sac. Hopelessness and despair has cornered you, and you can't even think straight. You can't even handle your finances right. You, 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 you're battling to tithe. You're battling to get through in a month. You're battling to, to have decent relationships with your children or your f wife or your whatever other family members. You, you, you're just feeling so hopeless. God, Jesus even made time to deal with those who are hopeless on his way. You don't have to find yourself in that cul-de-sac of hopelessness. God wants to deal with that today. Some might find themselves in a cul-de-sac of shame. That's where the lady with the issue of blood found herself. Cornered in life, spent everything. But she wasn't healed. And she was too ashamed to, to appear in public because of her background. Now, I'm not sure what you're ashamed of. I'm not sure what, what destroyed your, your life at a certain stage in your life to the point where you are ashamed, so ashamed that it's ac actually bringing about some illness or some disease. I'm not sure what that is, but God deals with that. Jesus, this, what I'm describing here is all in the day of, the, of Jesus. All happening one day. And you think you're busy. <laughs> all happening one day. And then we get to the place where as a woman um, reaches out to Jesus, Jesus turns around and says, who touched me? As I said before, this, the, the, the guy who had the demon came and he, he fell before Jesus. Jesus healed him. This woman touched Jesus and he stops because he could feel the power going out of him. And, and Jesus is not like Eskom. He's still got power. <laughs> he's got power every day. Every moment of the day, he's got power. And his power is here to save and his power is here to heal. His power is here to restore. There's power in the blood of Jesus. And the blood of Jesus has not reached its cell by date. It doesn't have a cell by date. So today, God wants to restore and to heal you. But we can't finish that story without noticing that Jesus gets to 
Jairus's daughter and she's dead. And maybe you've lost a family member of late. Maybe you had some news from a doctor that you might have a certain time to live. This last couple of weeks I've I've met up with many people, or quite a few people, who got the prognosis so long. That's the expectation of your life. And and even as we sit here, we, we, we tend to think everything's fine and we don't know what's going on in people's hearts and lives as they sit here. Maybe maybe some doctor has said to you, we don't have any answers for you. That's okay. Because he's not speaking on behalf of Jesus. He's speaking on behalf of the medical world. See, Jesus is still the answer. And why I left this one for last is that people think that death is a cul-de-sac. It's not. It's just a thoroughfare. We're just going through. So we give death far too much attention. We give it far too much power. Death is not a cul-de-sac in life. We're just passing through to something better, something greater. Eternity with Jesus. So it doesn't matter what the doctor said. It's not the time to get despondent. It's not the time to say, oh my word, I've only got, I've only got three months left. You know those guys that left their house this morning and they won't return? They had no doctor telling them that they won't return. But the fact is, they won't. So don't get flustered by prognosis from a doctor. They do their best. They know their story. I love doctors. Because there's a doctor here. Don't sue me. But I'm saying that they do their best from their side. You haven't, you haven't got the final answer until you've run to the feet of Jesus and worshipped him. And that's what we're going to do right now. It doesn't matter what the cul-de-sac is that you're facing. It could be mental, physical, social, hopelessness and grief, shame, or death that you might have thought is a cul-de-sac and it's not. It doesn't matter what it is. Physical disease. Our God is in control. And we, we're going to pray for that now. And like I said, from the beginning, the response is, I come to Jesus to worship. I promise you, as I'm standing here, I have faith that we, that we can pray for people, but I cannot heal anybody. I cannot heal a fly with a headache. Why? Because I can't heal. But I have faith that my God can. I have faith in the one that heals. And he has faith amongst us that God heals. So whatever that situation is, the business that's failing, the marriage that's being broken down, why don't you run to Jesus? Why don't you come up now? We can get some music in the background. Where's our music team leader? <laughs> music man. I want to ask you just if, you, if, if you're just going to be praying in your heart, praying for people, I don't look around to see is so-and-so going up. But I want you to be praying. And the other thing I want to set up straight is, I'm not going to be praying for everybody. Just hang back. Once people are here to be prayed for, I'm going to ask you to just remove this thing. Move it backwards, whatever. 
We need to make space and get people up here to pray for them. And once they're up here, I'm going to ask those who have faith that God heals to come and pray for them. We're going to be a team. We're going to do this together. Because I believe God has given each one of us a measure of faith. So if that's you, if you're one of those people that f find yourself in a cul-de-sac today, why don't you come to the front? Don't resist because amongst the tombs, you're not going to get healed. It's running to Jesus to worship Him. That's where you'll find your healing. Where you'll find your restoration. Where you'll find that Jesus restores you. Come on. Don't let the enemy lie to you. Just come and line up here in front.